I think that it falls along the same lines as biphobia or bi erasure, right? That we for so long have looked at bisexual people or pansexual people and have sometimes said, oh, well, they're just confused, right? They just haven't figured out yet what it is that they actually want. Or, oh, they're just scared to pick one. They're scared to commit to one side of this or they're scared of giving up some of their privilege. And so I think we can kind of see the same things reverberate towards people who are ambiamorous, right? This idea of, oh, they're just confused. They just haven't figured out what kind of relationship style they want. I know I've had a lot of clients who have that experience when they're dating, when they truly are like somewhere in the middle here, right? Feel like Mm. they could be open to monogamy, non-monogamy, whatever, but they're currently single and trying to date people running into that weird thing of because people are always like you know what what are we doing what is this we got to define it and when you're a little more fluid that's hard and it's easy to have people think like oh you're just confused and you need to figure yourself out welcome to the multi-amory podcast i'm jace i'm emily and i'm dedeker we believe in looking to the future of relationships not maintaining the status quo of the past whether you're monogamous polyamorous swinging casually dating, or if you just do relationships differently, we see you and we're here for you. On this episode of the Multi-Amory Podcast, we're talking all about ambi-amory, Ambi Amory is having quite a moment, and you may have heard the term floating around recently and wondered what it was about. Or perhaps I just said it right now and you're frantically Googling, trying to figure out what this is. Well, don't worry. We're going to talk all about that on today's episode. We're going to talk about what it is, some potential challenges that people might face if they identify as ambiamorous, and continue the age-old conversation about identity versus preference, versus orientation, all these different terms. If you're interested in more tools to support your relationships and improve your communication, or if you want more information about some of the things that we reference frequently on this show, you can check that out in our book, Multi-Amory Essential Tools for Modern Relationships. You can find our book at any booksellers and get links to order it at multiamory.com book. Or you can listen to the first nine episodes of this podcast where we also cover some of those tools. Now let's get into this. The Ambies. Do you remember the, <laughs> the Ambies? Ambies? Yeah. Is that a, an award show? It's a podcast yeah, it's an award awards. for podcasts. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. That is what I thought it was. Cool. We have yet to win an Ambie. Well, I mean, we have yet ever. to submit for an Ambie, so. Yeah, we, we also true. haven't submitted ourselves for an Ambie. Maybe someday. Now, over the last few months, we have been doing a lot of interviews for our book. And I have said on those interviews many times that I am ambiamorous. Now, I think some of you may have thought, what is that term? Like Jay said, (laughs) or you may have been like, yeah, I identify as that too. Or you may have been in the totally other camp of saying, wow, that's not somebody that I want to be around in any way. So, ambiamory, have the two of you heard of that before? I'm sure you have, but when did you start really getting into, yeah, this is something that I'm Mm. hearing a lot about recently? I don't think I actually really encountered the term until maybe five or six years ago. Still a while. It's still a while. I'll be honest, I still don't see a ton of people using it, at least not in the circles that I move in, but... 
the internet is fast. And so <laughs> I'm sure there is a corner out there where all the Yambiamorous people or all the people using that label are hanging out. Yeah. So we actually looked at trying to figure out how common is this term? How much is it used? And one of the things that we looked at is the Google Trends, where you can see, unfortunately, the data only goes back to 2004 on Google Trends. So you can't really search stuff farther back than that. But it allows you to see how much was something trending versus other times in terms of people searching it, which helps work as a fairly good proxy for whether people are aware of the term, whether they're using it. And what we find is that around 2004 to 2007-ish, 2006, 2007, uh, there was a fair amount of searching actually for ambiamorous and also ambiamory. So clearly this term goes back at least to 2004, if not b before that. That shocked me, by the yeah. way. I didn't know that anyone was thinking about this term back then. <laughs> right. And then more recently, so it looks like since around 2020 up till now, it's gradually been trending again. It's gradually been being searched a little bit more often. So people are thinking about it, but compared to a lot of other stuff, it's still not like a super popular term, not a really common term, which is why if you're someone out there listening and you say, I've never heard of this before, that, that doesn't mean you've just missed something obvious. It's still used in somewhat niche circumstances, but it's probably worth us talking about what does this even mean? Well, so if we're going to get super linguistic with it, we have, of course, Amory at the end, which most people can recognize as the Latin root meaning love or loves. And then Ambi, not just a podcasting award, the Latin root <laughs> means both. It also means around or about. So for instance, the word ambiguous refers to something that could have two meanings or multiple meanings or the word ambient. So kind of that sense of something being kind of in the air or amble is kind of, you know, to like walk around and to be a man about town, I suppose. <laughs> For me, ambidextrous is always what comes oh, to mind. Yes. Oh, yes. You yeah. can use both hands. Yeah. Yes. 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 Yeah. That's what my partner said. He was like, so you can use both hands while you're in love or something? <laughs> like, no. You're very skilled in the bedroom, if yeah. you know oh, what goodness. I mean. So. Functionally, this term refers to someone who can enjoy, accept, engage with both monogamy as well as non-monogamy or polyamory. And so again, you know, this is a term that isn't in any official dictionaries, at least not yet, right? So we're kind of scrabbling together a bunch of different terms, you know, or definitions that have been floating around in the community. But the recurring themes you'll find is this idea that someone who is ambiamorous is someone who has little to no preference between whether they're in a monogamous relationship or a non-monogamous relationship. So we also have this definition from a Tumblr post, again, just kind of scraping through the internet to see what we can find, uh, that says, quote, ambiamory is basically a sub-identifier that falls under the polyamory umbrella used for people who are fine with either monogamous or polyamorous relationships. They feel no particular need to pursue either, and it causes them no distress to be in either situation. This is in contrast to some polyamorous people who could not and would never consider monogamy because it would feel like denying a part of themselves and leave them feeling trapped and unfulfilled. And similarly, some monogamous people cannot tolerate polyamory because it's not how they're wired. They could do all the therapy, 
follow all the steps, do everything right, and still feel like something is majorly wrong and distressing. So as we love on this show, Ambi Amory presents us with a middle path or individuals who reside within this middle space. Yeah, I find that really interesting the way that they say that it is specifically sort of a sub-identifier that still falls under polyamorous. And I think I would have to agree with that, that it still is under that umbrella of non-monogamous because you're even okay with non-monogamy as something that you might be interested in doing at some other time in your life. Whereas there are clearly those certain monogamous people who would say, absolutely not, I'm never going to be okay with that. And therefore, they wouldn't call themselves ambiamorous. But yeah, I I was fascinated by the conversation about this in general, because I expected more people out there to sort of identify in this way. But when I think of the two of you, I don't think that you'd say that about yourself at all. You're like, no, this is more of a thing that I inherently am, which is polyamorous, and I wouldn't be okay in monogamy ever. I would say that, but then, you know, I was chewing on this question as we were getting ready to record. And, you know, Jason, I did have that this experience in what, like 2022, where we just happen to be de facto monogamous, where like yeah. literally for the first time in a decade that we have been together, like we just happen to not have other partners. And I was okay with that. Like I didn't necessarily feel this rush, like, oh my God, my non-monogamous identity is being threatened. I need to go out and do something about that. But then at the same time, it's not like Jason, I sat down and made any kind of formal agreement of like, okay, we are monogamous now. Sure. And so shall we be for the next 12 months. You know, there was still, of course, always the potential, right? And we still talked about dating other people or attraction to other people or when we might want to start dating again, you know, individually and things like that. So so, so I don't know where I'm like, maybe is that like a sprinkle of ambiamory in the sense mm-hmm. that at that time it didn't feel, oh my God, this is just like horrible and oppressive and I'm stifling a part of myself. It didn't feel that way, but maybe it's because there wasn't any kind of formal agreement around monogamy at that time. Versus if I think I truly was ambiamorous, we could be like, great, we're monogamous now and be like, okay, cool. I'm comfortable with either, I I think. I think that all of what you just said really gets to kind of a core question about it of what makes a person polyamorous or what makes a person non-monogamous. And it's at least to my mind, and we've talked about this a little bit before on the show, but to my mind, it's about what you expect of your partners, not about how many partners you have. And so in that case, even though at that time, you know, and the pandemic was part of it, but at the time, neither of us were dating anyone else and our other relationships had ended and we hadn't started other ones. But at no point in that did either of us come to the other and say like, hey, so I want you to not date anyone else. Sure. And I, and to me, that's the core. Like it's, I guess it's like the the analogy would be If you said, oh, I'm monogamous, and so if I'm ever not with a person, I feel this desperate need to be with someone. And like, while we can experience that sometimes, I think that people wouldn't say that's what defines monogamy is like, I need to be with someone, right? It's more, if I am with someone, I want to be with them in this way. And so I guess I would just say that, yeah, as far as whether you're polyamorous or non-monogamous, it really doesn't have anything to do with how many people you're dating, but more what the expectations are that you would put on anyone else that you were dating. You know, what what kinds of, I guess I'll call it restrictions because that's just what it is, but what kinds of restrictions would you want them to make on their behavior 
in order to be in that relationship with you. And I think the key ambiamory thing then is what you're okay with being put on yourself by someone else. That's an interesting distinction as well. Fascinating. So yeah, to say that an ambiamorous person could be equally happy in either type of relationship is in a way saying an ambiamorous person would be okay with someone else saying, hey, I don't want you to be with someone else okay, or you know, with anybody else. Okay, I, I can say yes to that and make that limitation for myself and I'm okay with it and I can still be happy versus another person like myself who, if it was like, hey, I want to be with you, but I want this limitation from you, right? I want you to agree not to be with anybody else. For me, that would say, no, I, I don't want to do that. And we talked about that a little bit, right? The In that quote from the Tumblr post where they're saying, you know, that non-monogamous person who says, I wouldn't do that because that would be cutting off a part of myself or limiting this part of myself and making me feel trapped and unfulfilled. And so I think that's an interesting side to the question to maybe put it more on what you're okay being put on you rather than what you'd want to put on someone else. Because it seems like the ambiamorous person is kind of saying, I don't really need to put either of these on you, but you know, that's up to you what you want to choose, what type of relationship you want to have. I like that a lot. And I think that's a, a specific nuance that was not in the research that I did here. And so that's just another layer to add to all of this, which I think is really cool and something for all you listeners out there to think about as well in terms of whether or not you identify this way. And yeah, at this point, I mean, sure, I'm in a monogamous relationship. My monogamy may look different than other people's. I definitely know that in my relationship, we talk about other people in a sexual way or, you know, say that person on TV is hot or that person in real life is hot. And we're able to speak about that in a way that maybe a lot of monogamous people wouldn't want, for instance. But yeah, it, it is such a big spectrum of the way in which you operate in a monogamous or a polyamorous relationship. And, you know, like you just haven't had another relationship for for a while, and yet you still so strongly identify as polyamorous because you know that those restrictions, as you say, aren't placed on you by your partner in a way that they might be in a monogamous relationship. Something I want to bring in here, because I, I could see if we set up ambiamory to have too narrow of a definition, that that could be difficult for some folks to to feel like it's okay for them to apply that label to themselves. Because I'm just thinking if we're like really trying to split hairs and to truly make it about you have zero preferences <laughs> at all about whether or not your partner is monogamous or whether or not they're dating other people or whether or not they, they ask you to date, to not date other people or to date other people or things like that. And I'm sure that person exists out there, but I bet you they're rare. I bet you the person who truly is just like, I give no fucks about, <laughs> you know, like whether or not you're monogamous, whatever. I, I have a feeling that's rare because I, I think I could see that kind of thing as something that could shift just slightly over time. Right. Because based on circumstance. Yeah. Based on circumstance, sure. based on emotion, you could be in a situation where I mean, like you talk about all the time, Emily, where, you know, you and your partner eventually reached a point where it's like, well, no, monogamy is the best fit for this relationship. Yeah. But I've never known you to be someone who's just like, 
I'm so enlightenedly blissed out that I just like do not care. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, which maybe I, that's I a little bit of a you. harsh definition, right? But but I do think it's it's kind of like I think there's some wiggle room around this. There's room to massage this so that I think that you can be amb- ambiamorous without having to be like so smack dab in the middle of this spectrum. Yeah, hundred percent. And to kind of move on from this specific conversation, which we're going to get more into, I did want to just yet again ask the question of, is polyamory or monogamy an identity, a preference, inherent trait that we have as individuals? And how do you even determine all of that? So we did look at a Paige Turner article. There's a lot that Paige Turner, by the way, has written about ambiamory because they identify as ambiamorous. I really appreciate all the nuance that Paige brings to this conversation. And Paige says that polyamory and monogamy exist on a relationship orientation spectrum and say monogamy and polyamory are often seen as a diametrically opposed binary. One can be either or. But if we view the relationship between monogamy and polyamory as a spectrum rather than a binary, ambiamory can exist within that spectrum. So, yeah, I agree with that. And, you know, relationship orientations can really overlap in a bunch of different ways. Also, sexual orientation is thrown in there, romantic orientation, just so, so many different things. It is interesting because I do often sort of land in the middle of a lot of those. I consider myself bisexual, but then also in terms of this non-monogamous or monogamous, I definitely feel like I am kind of in the middle there as well. Although I've had great relationships on both ends. So mm-hmm. yeah, it is a spectrum for sure. And what do you two think? Do you do you feel like it's an identity or a preference or what? Every time this, this comes up, I, I really struggle with it mm. because it's like one thing to talk about, you know, how each of us feels about it, but there is a bigger implication to that, right? And I've, I've talked about this when we've been interviewed on other people's shows, but it's worth talking about it on this show a little bit too. But this idea that when we, you know, are fighting for gay rights, one of the arguments there is this is an orientation, which means if someone is gay or bisexual or whatever, that this is an innate quality of them. And so, therefore, it would be immoral to make a law that would limit them from being something that they just naturally are. With the implied meaning there would be if they did have a choice, then it might be more okay for you to restrict their behavior because they have a choice. And that's like for a long time been used as an argument. And and I think it's gotten to the point now where- I think it's kind of a shitty argument. (laughs) Well, yeah. So there's a lot of levels to it that's shitty, right? It's like Mm -hmm. the idea that Oh, well, if you could have a choice, then you should make a different choice to conform to what everybody else does. And so legally, we should be able to limit you from doing that because it makes us uncomfortable. Exactly. It's kind of the the extension of that logic. And it sucks, right? It's a shitty Mm -hmm. argument, like you said. But my fear when it comes to talking about non-monogamy is if we stray too much away from this idea of thinking about it as an orientation, then people can go ah, well, it's just a choice of the thing you do. Oh, it's a lifestyle. Like people love to use that term lifestyle to talk about non-monogamy or polyamory rather than an orientation. And I think they do it just because we don't 
have a good way to describe like what relationship style, relationship practice, relationship rule set, template. It's like we don't really have a good term. So people use lifestyle. But the problem with lifestyle is it has this connotation of one, that it's more easy to say it's a phase. Two, it's easy to just sort of discount it as like, oh, this is this weird thing these people do, but it's not really important. You know, it's like there's a lot of implications that go along with it. And so I, I always, it just makes me very anxious to talk about this and to come down hard on either side because of all this, because of all that cultural shit that comes along with it. Yeah, I would agree. I, I think when we look at the argument for, yeah, are these things innate? Is it a built-in, a baked-in identity for some of us? That in itself opens up a can of worms and it's like, okay, so if we're going to make that argument, like what are we tracking there? Are we looking for a lack or a presence or absence of a possessiveness gene? And that's how we know someone's yeah, innately non-monogamous or not. And I know there has been research that ties a likelihood to be more comfortable with non-monogamy to certain per personality traits, you know, to falling in particular areas on a personality spectrum. But personality in itself is also a weird combination of nature and nurture. And, and then also just the reality is that, like, as far as looking at people who exist in the world today, the ambiamorous people, the monogamous people, the non-monogamous people, I think that there are going to be some people where this feels more innate to them. And then there's going to be some people where it doesn't feel as innate to them. And yet they choose to practice in a particular way anyway. And that doesn't necessarily make it a bad thing. You know, it's maybe less of a, a what maybe less damaging than maybe someone who is, you know, queer having to choose to date or sleep with someone who's, you know, their opposite sex, right? Where I think we see that as something that's maybe potentially damaging, you know, or like something they're doing because they have to be in the closet or they need a beard or it's not safe for them to be out, right? But it's, I mean, we can maybe have some proxies for people in relationships, but I don't know. I think it's because of the fact that this goes beyond just these kind of clear lines of, identity or genetic versus preference or lifestyle or things like that. What do you think? Well, if I'm believing in ambiamory, I guess I do. Do you believe in it? <laughs> <laughs> if I'm identifying as ambiamorous, I feel like that means that non-monogamy or monogamy is a little bit more of a choice or I'm not sure. I, I hear you. I hear what you both are saying. Maybe it's just an ability to look inward and try to find the ways that can make you happiest. And some people, that is, I'm going to try to expand my horizons through meeting and having like sexual interactions and really deep personal connections with multiple people. And that makes me the, the most fulfilled person that I can possibly be. So I think that I've had those times in my life where definitely that is the case. And that's not currently what I'm doing, but that's okay, too. I'm, I'm finding other avenues for that, I guess. Right. Yeah, and I think that, again, to go back to that concept of both, if you think about someone who's bisexual and monogamous, yeah, that there is also that sense of, like, Hi. I'm attracted to both, but at some point... I will choose just one of those, you know, just one person to be with. So whatever their gender is, that's the one that I'm going to choose. 
And so there is that thing of like, well, does that mean that once you've chosen that, you're no longer bisexual? Yeah, exactly. And I, I think most people would say, well, no, that's not how it works. It's about how how you feel, what you're attracted to, who you who you are. And again, we're getting into that like identity orientation type thing. But I think that's an interesting proxy because for both the good and bad of what I said before, on the one hand, if you say I'm bisexual and so I can be equally happy with either, someone could say, ah, well, you have a choice. Therefore, you should choose the choice that's better for society or mm -hmm. whatever, or for family values and just not do the other because you have a choice. Look, great. Just don't do that other one. And then on the other hand, you know, it does show us just because someone chose to be with a person of one gender doesn't mean they're not attracted to the other. And so yeah. I guess in ambiamory, you could look at it that way, like you're talking about, Emily, of I'm still, you know, the ideas of non-monogamy could appeal to me even if I'm in a monogamous relationship. And if yes. I'm in a non-monogamous relationship, I could see some value in monogamy and could see myself potentially enjoying that. So it's, it is such a tricky, nuanced thing, though. But I'm not saying either that like somebody's best version of self wouldn't only lie in one of the two. Clearly, that is also the case. And so I don't know if that is an innate part of self or if that is just this is where I have found the best version of myself to lie in. Because I think they're both valid. Like, go nuts, whatever you want, you know? <laughs> That's why I don't think, I'm not sure how helpful that question even is. We all yeah. should just do what makes us happy, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, that's uh, whenever that question of orientation versus choice comes up, my question is always that, why do you ask? Like, what's really the reason behind asking? Is it because of that thing of like, well, if you have a choice, then don't do it? Or is it... Done. Yeah. Right, yeah. It's like, why are you asking? What is, what is it that you're actually trying to get at that matters? And so I think to take this back to ambiamory, the question then is, if we're going to say that whole question of orientation and identity versus choice is maybe not actually the important part of the conversation, maybe that's important for us to be aware of for legal and political reasons down the line. But in terms of understanding ourselves, maybe that's not the question. The question is, why would someone want to identify as this? Like, what is the use of this term? And so again, we're going to turn to Paige Turner for this. Paige Turner wrote an article for Kinkley titled, You've Heard of Polyamory, But Have You Heard of Ambiamory? in 2019. And in it, the definition or an explanation of why someone would identify as ambiamorous is that most commonly a person identifies as ambiamorous because it's important for them to signal to people that they are open to having either monogamous or non-monogamous romantic relationships. And this can happen for several reasons. It could be acknowledging the experience or comfort with polyamorous relationship systems, but they're open to monogamy as well. Kind of like we've talked about earlier with Emily. Is it that they're either in a monogamous relationship or in a polyamorous relationship system and don't want the other side of their identity to be erased by their current status? That's an interesting so very one. much the bisexual thing. Yeah. And I, you know, a yeah. lot of bisexuals are like, do not, just because I'm monogamously with this person, do not say that I am now just gay or just straight. I'm still bisexual. That's still part of my identity. Or that they want to be part of both polyamorous and monogamous social communities while emphasizing that they don't 
consider either relationship structure to be the one true way or the only way that people can have happy relationships. I have a question regarding that one. Do we feel as time goes on, and I think that this sort of applies to our journey on this show, that communities at large are starting to move more in that quote-unquote ambiamory kind of way or spectrum that they're allowing for the opportunity of more people from either side to be involved in community, that it's not such a, okay, it's an us versus them kind of mentality, but let's all live in harmony together and we can love each other, even though some of us may be non-monogamous and some of us may be monogamous. I don't know. My stance on these things for any sort of fringe community or even like a marginalized identity or anything like that, I think it's always going to be important for us to feel like we have access to spaces with people who get us, right? And who can share our experience. Whether it's, you know, feeling like you're getting recharged or having your life energy restored by walking into a room of all people who share your same gender identity or racial identity or sexuality, like there is something really special about that where you just know, yeah, I know we're all different and we all come from a little bit of different backgrounds, but we do have this in common where we can get each other right away. I think there's something really special to that. I think that all of us need access to something like that. And yes, I include all you straight cis guys, white guys in that is too, honestly. No, no, like seriously though. I like, sure, I know, you know, you're the universal bad guys, but, but like, I think having access to that is also really important, you know, to just having that sense of like, okay, I'm around people who at least share my background and I can feel into that and feel understood in a particular way. And also we need access to spaces that are more heterogeneous, right? That are welcoming of people from a very wide variety of backgrounds and lived experiences. And I think that those spaces can be challenging, but also shouldn't be just challenging. Like, I do think we should be striving for creating spaces where people do feel welcome, even if they're not walking into a room with people who are all of their same background or lived experience necessarily. So I think that's my thing. I I know to bring it specifically to relationships and relationship choice and orientation, I'm always excited by the idea of creating more resources, more spaces, more workshops, more events where people from the wide spectrum of relationship diversity feel comfortable and welcomed and not othered. And also, we're always going to need the polyamory potluck. For like, sure. We're always going to want that. And I think it's something that we should also be hanging on to. But that's that's just my opinion. Yeah. I, and I, I don't think I'm seeing this happen a ton yet, um, but I do think I see it happening in our community. So I think Yeah, maybe that's why I ask, because that's the one that I am so tied to now in in a way that I maybe was tied to other communities surrounding polyamory when I was polyamorous, but I'm not really in those communities anymore. So Mm. to me, I'm like, oh, we're moving in this sort of more kumbaya. Yes, all of us can love and (laughs) be together and be okay with one another and live in harmony. But I know that that's clearly not the case for so many communities. So it is super important to keep those more, I guess, homogenous groups of we all share a common identity in some form or fashion. I think the balance that Dedeker mentioned makes a lot of sense, right? That there is a value in having people who share that so you can have that 
I, I relax and these people kind of get me. But there's also that danger that we all get together and talk about how much better we are than everybody else. Sure. Or how, or how everyone else is out to get us. Like, that's an easy one to go to. And you see that across the board. You see that in polyamorous communities, queer communities, but you also see it in those communities of straight, cis, heterosexual, monogamous white guys, where it's like, oh, everyone else is out to get us. Like, it's, it's easy to fall into that temptation. And there may be more or less truth to that in certain communities than others. But I think that balance is really important because otherwise we can end up doing that thing like we see in some of the polyamorous communities where people are doing a lot of gatekeeping. Kind of being like, oh, you say you're polyamorous, but what you do is a little bit more like swingers, and so you're not welcome here. Yeah. Right? And that's something that I do really enjoy about our community is that we have people who do things a lot of different ways, but it's not that thing where like, the cultural dominant thing of monogamy and heterosexuality is the norm. And other people are like, yeah, we'll tolerate you. That it's almost kind of flipped around where it's like most of the people here are some kind of queer and some kind of non-monogamous, but also there are monogamous people and straight people and they're also welcome. And that's also part of the conversation. And I think helps us all to avoid that temptation to just badmouth people who are monogamous or to badmouth people that are straight or something like that. Cause it's like, no, these are our community members too, right? These are people that we want to support and who support us. So it's, it is, yeah, it's a fine, fine line, a fine balance to find. But I love that. I love that kumbaya that we can get sometimes. <laughs> it is really nice. We want to go on to talk a little bit about the tiniest amount of research that exists on ambiamory. And then also looking at some of the challenges with identifying as ambiamorous. But before we do that, we want to take a quick break to talk about some ways that you can help support this show. We love the fact that we get to put this show out there into the world every week for free. Anyone who has access to the internet around the world can get it. And we love hearing people's messages about how it's helped them. And the way we're able to do that is through our advertisers as well as through our Patreon community. So please take a moment to check out our ads. If any are interesting to you, go check them out. It really does directly help support this show and keep us going. Um, and if you want to join our community, we would love to have you there. For a long time now, we've been fans of adamandeve.com for getting sex toys or lingerie or accessories, things like that. It's just a fantastic resource with a huge selection and now, not only do we have a fantastic offer, but we also have a promo code that will work on adammail.com and evestoys.com, which are their site specifically for LGBTQ audiences. And our code is fantastic. It's 50% off of almost any item in the store and free discreet shipping when you use our code MULTI. Yes, we love adamandeve.com and have for years. They are our oldest and longest sponsor, and they just keep on giving great gifts to us and to our listeners. You can bring more pleasure and satisfaction into your bedroom by going to adamandeve.com, adammail.com, or evestoys.com and select any one item. It can be, you know, an adventurous new toy or anything you desire, something fun, something sexy, whatever sounds good. So just enter offer code MULTI at checkout and you'll get 50% off almost any item plus free shipping. 
That's multi, M-U-L-T-I, at adamandeve.com, adammail.com, or evestoys.com. This is an exclusive offer that is specific to this podcast, and it's better than any offer that is currently available on their site. So again, use code MULTI to get you not just the 50% discount, but also the 100% free shipping. Code M-U-L-T-I. So not a ton of research that's directly about ambiamory out there, at least not yet. Who knows what's on the horizon? But we have data pulled from a 2016 YouGov survey, basically asking people to imagine a spectrum of relationship orientation. So it's kind of like the Kinsey scale. If a zero is completely monogamous and then a six is completely non-monogamous, asking people where would they place themselves on that scale as far as what their ideal relationship would be. And so it had close to a thousand participants, um, you know, slightly more women than men. The racial makeup is actually fairly representative for the racial makeup of the U.S. They're a little bit underrepresented on on Hispanic, but 61 percent of people responded with completely monogamous. So a zero, a seven percent responded with completely non-monogamous. Nine percent of people responded with a three. So like right in the middle of the spectrum. And then the rest of it was all kind of distributed through the middle of the spectrum, right? So, and then I think when we had Diana Adams and and Heath on the show, Heath was mentioning that more recent survey that indicated that at least 30% of people with, you know, within this representative sample from the U.S. suggested that their ideal relationship format was something other than complete monogamy. So while, of course, you know, complete monogamy is still the majority, the cultural default, there's a lot of variation within there. There's a lot of people who fall within this sort of ambiamorous spectrum, you know, maybe leaning more towards one side or leaning more towards the other. But this 9% of people responding with right in the middle, like that's actually a bigger chunk than I would be expecting. If you think about these numbers, for if 61% of people said completely monogamous, you could say... 39% of people wanted something other than strict monogamy in their relationship. I mean, there's your numbers right there. Mm -hmm. You know, they're somewhere along that spectrum. But yeah, that's a lot. That also goes back to what Heath and Diana were talking about of rather than trying to completely isolate ourselves in terms of who do we work together with when it comes to changing legislation or fighting for more acceptance of non-monogamy, things like that, that if all 39% of us can get together, that can really do something much more so than, you know, the 5% or whatever that might actively be identifying as polyamorous. Yeah, for sure. Now, I wanted to move on to something that I really didn't even think about when I started looking into this subject, and that's that there is, I guess, a, a bit of maybe you can call it discrimination towards ambiamorous people on the internet. I get it, especially when we look at people who do identify more as that I am non-monogamous and I could never be anything but that, that looking at somebody who could maybe be something other than that might be a little bit scary or threatening or this person may leave me or something along those lines. But as I was looking this up as well, I guess I wanted to pose the question first. Can we think of any ways that ambiamorous people might practice polyamory or monogamy differently than those who identify strictly with one or the other? Like, does it change the way in which your non-monogamy or monogamy is practiced because you are ambiamorous? 
Well, I kind of want to switch it around and ask you that um, because you're the ambiamorous representative. That's true. I can, <laughs> I can theorize. I can, I can speak from my experience of like watching clients who I would say probably fall somewhere close to that ambiamorous side of things. But like, what do you think? I think it's definitely important to me that the ability to talk openly about my sexual or, you know, interest in other people with my partner, that that's allowed, I guess, at all, is an important thing to me. And that's something that a lot of, as I said before, monogamous people may not be comfortable with or okay with. Even the fact that sometimes my partner and I talk about, well, yeah, we would perhaps be involved in threesomes again at a time in our relationship if if that were a thing that might be interesting in the future. You know, things along those lines, which I think, again, not everybody would be comfortable with speaking about that openly. And really, maybe even going there at some point, people theorize about threesomes or, or you know, fantasize, <laughs> but they don't actually do it kind of thing. Right. And that's definitely been a part of our relationship in the past, and I could see it being a part of our relationship again in the future. So yeah, I, I think from that standpoint, maybe that is different than some ways that monogamy plays out in other relationships. However, monogamy for some people may also mean like you go have sex with somebody on your business trip and don't talk to me about it, but you're still allowed to do that. You're allowed a hall pass. So monogamy is still such a big spectrum and non-monogamy is as well. Non-monogamy may just be I'm a little monogamish in this specific way. Maybe I flirt with other people and that's my non-monogamy and that's it. Yeah, well, I mean, that's you just touched on on all of it there, right? It's that mm -hmm. monogamy covers this huge range, and I, you know, to say that there's this assumption that monogamous people wouldn't be as comfortable with that, which just really depends on the monogamous person, right? Yeah. There's, it's the same as like I know lots of guys who are like, I'm straight. I mean, I'll occasionally like give or get a blowjob, and that's cool, but like, mm -hmm. but I'm straight, like that's how I identify. And so, exactly, <laughs> and so it's. Really, though, with the monogamy thing, right? The same as what you just mentioned, right? Oh, I'm monogamous. I mean, sure, we have threesomes now and again, but we're monogamous. It's kind of more about, I think, goes a little bit to this idea of, well, that's because that's the community that I want to identify with and the mm. people that I mm. surround myself mm -hmm, with. Mm -hmm. And so I want to identify that way, even if I'm practicing a little bit outside of what is standard or Maybe whatever that's in that community. The kicker there, though, like for me, Yes, okay, I identify as ambiamorous, and I'm currently in a monogamous relationship, but I really want to be able to exist within both communities, if that sure. makes sense. Yeah, no, and that does make sense. Yeah, and I don't want to be shunned, I guess, by either. <laughs> I want to be able to have friends who are okay with both, for instance. Yeah, and I think that is a nice segue to start talking about the stigma piece, because I think that it falls along the same lines as biphobia or bi erasure, right? That we for so long have looked at bisexual people or pansexual people and have sometimes said, oh, well, they're just confused, right? They just haven't figured out yet what it is that they actually want or, oh, they're just scared to pick one. They're scared to commit to one side of this or they're scared of giving up some of their privilege. And so I think we can kind of see the same things reverberate towards people who are ambiamorous, right? This idea of, oh, they're just confused. They just haven't figured out what kind of relationship style 
they want. I know I've had a lot of clients who have that experience when they're dating, when they truly are like somewhere in the middle here, right? Feel like Mm. they could be open to monogamy, non-monogamy, whatever, but they're currently single and trying to date people running into that weird thing of people because people are always like, well, what do you want? What are you here for? What kind of relationship do you want? You know, what what are we doing? What is this? We got to define it. And when you're a little more fluid, that's hard. And it's easy to have people think like, oh, you're just confused and you need to figure yourself out. Absolutely. So on Reddit, when you go to r slash polyamory and look up ambiamory and there, uh, people have a lot of things to say. People always and have a lot of things Reddit. to say on Reddit. It's oh, Reddit, Lord. yeah. <laughs> Who knew that people would have a lot of things to say? <laughs> One person on there said, being ambiamorous is really hard because neither poly nor mono people trust us. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, well, I think that's one that's worth talking about because, again, it's like with the bisexual thing. I think there's a similar deal of I might be afraid to date someone who's bisexual because there's that fear that maybe really yeah. what they want is the thing that's not me. Yeah. yeah. And so there's that that fear. Or, oh, well, I know that I'm never going to be able to give them that. So I don't know if I want to get in this relationship because it just seems too risky. And it's hard because it makes sense in a way, even though it, it sucks to limit people that way. But if you think about this ambiamory thing, it's like if I'm non-monogamous, if I'm polyamorous, and I've been doing it for a while, as I have, chances are good that I've had an experience of dating someone who's like, yeah, I'm okay with this polyamory thing, only for them to eventually date someone else who wants to be monogamous. And they go, great, cool, I'll be monogamous with you. Bye, Jace. Well, and that's, that's... happened to all of us before. Yeah, yeah, that's happened to all of us. That's what the next Reddit user, they said right here, I'm fulfilled single or with one partner, but I would not be fulfilled in expected monogamy. So it's doubtful I would create a relationship with someone ambi because of the risk they would go mono on me. Most people have that happen at some point and it's shitty. And yes, I I agree that is shitty. I've unfortunately done that to someone and it was really shitty. Uh, And I get it. I get that people would be scared of that and just not even want to go there. And I could see the fear on the other side too, right? It's say I'm a monogamous person and you say you're ambiamorous. It's like, okay, that could work. But, oh gosh, but what if at some point they're unsatisfied by that and they want this other uh-huh. thing? Mm-hmm. I've had that too, that yeah. conversation right. as well. So, yeah. <laughs> definitely. And it's it's tough, right? Because you can understand where the people on either side of that are coming from. It's like from real experiences, from real legitimate fears. It's not just like, oh, they're catastrophizing or making this sure. story out of nothing. It's like, yeah, this is based on real stuff that's happened. But I think that maybe something worth looking at with this is the idea of, you know, and bisexual people have been fighting this for a long time, this idea that just because I'm bisexual, if I'm monogamous doesn't mean I'm more likely to cheat or to not want to be in this relationship or to be unsatisfied by it. And that's something that, you know, bisexual activists have been having to fight and still have to fight for a long time. But I think it's kind of that idea of like how I choose to be respectful to my partners is different from this orientation or this identity. And to say that even though I'm ambiamorous, if I'm in a non-monogamous relationship with you, I'm going to honor that and not just break up with you because someone else wants to do something else. I mean, I still might break up with you just because that's what humans do. We might not be together forever. And I think that's the hard part, though, is it's easy to then point to that and blame it on that and say, oh, well, it was that's the thing that that happened. It's because they were ambiamorous 
that they broke up with me, whereas they might have done that anyway. But yeah. it's easy to kind of point the finger at that thing, especially if they go on to be in the other type of relationship. So it kind of seems like in these situations, that might be something worth being clear about. Of like, just because I'm interested in both doesn't mean I'm going to flip on you. Right? Like, I'm not going to change that suddenly. Might be worth, I guess, being aware of that fear. For sure. One of the comments on this Reddit thread that I thought was interesting was this one that says, perhaps ambiamory is actually a form of polyfidelity. I thought that is an interesting question. Because if we think about non-monogamy, right? If we think about polyamory, and you have three people, say, who are in a relationship, and they say, we're going to be polyfidelitous, which means the three of us are all in a relationship together, but we've all agreed we're not going to date anybody else outside of this three. I think pretty much anyone in the polyamorous community would go, yeah, they're polyamorous, even though they've decided to put this restriction on themselves and on each other. That's exactly the same as the monogamous one. It just happens to have one other person before that loop gets closed. Hmm. And so that's an interesting question there to be like, oh, I'm, I'm just polyfidelitous with just one other person. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. That's, that's yeah. an interesting way to look at it too. Because yeah. when I try to think about it, I'm like, functionally, that's not any different, is it? Yeah, I mean, I guess. I think a lot of people probably who are ambiamorous just think of themselves as I'm polysaturated at one right now in this relationship that I'm in. Right? Yeah, possibly. I, I think I'm, I'm getting a little lost in the weeds here because I, I feel like I want to get back to, like, why adopt this label at all? Mm. You know, mm. like, why why adopt this label at all when you're, let's say, like, why adopt this label when you are currently in a monogamous relationship or why adopt this label when you're currently in a polyamorous relationship, you know? Are we signaling something here? I don't know. Yeah, that's kind of what Paige Turner said. Yeah, yeah, right? Like, because that's the whole point, right? Is is the label, again, like that wonderful thing that Martha Cowpey said a few episodes back, that it's like the label is the thing we put on ourselves that maybe invites assumptions from other people that we can tolerate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think Paige also makes a great point in talking about the label might be to honor the fact that even though I'm doing one of these two ways of doing a relationship, I'm not someone who thinks the other is invalid or that's not something that like it could be more of just a personal statement of I still see value in this other thing in the same way that a bisexual person might be like, no, no, I'm still attracted to people of multiple genders, even though I'm monogamous with this one person. I think there's there's that part of it for people of like, I want to be clear that this isn't my only identity. Maybe that's a way to think about it. Yeah, that's true. Now, this may be a little bit surprising or controversial, perhaps, but just to, in a weird way, defend a little bit this idea of I'm dating someone non-monogamously who decides to be monogamous with somebody else, maybe because they're ambiamorous, and that then I feel sad at the loss of that relationship. And I guess just to speak a little bit in defense of it, I kind of mentioned before that's the idea that, yeah, someone also might just choose not to be with you. That's also fine, right? Like, you're not entitled to any guarantee of that from any person ever, right? That's just not how humans work. But I did want to share sort of a personal experience of that, that I had a, a partner years ago who uh, was polyamorous when I met her. And that's how we were for several years. But then I knew that for her, 
part of more of this ambiamorous switch came about because she really wanted to have kids. And she was finding a hard time finding someone who is polyamorous and who also wanted to have kids within her community. Mm -hmm. um, and who wanted to have them when she wanted to have them. And of course, all the other pieces, right, that she's attracted to, that she gets along with, you know, all those other things that are important. And so I remember there was a point where she started kind of talking to me about like, I am open to monogamy if that makes it easier for me to find this thing that to me is more important than maybe my particular attachment to non-monogamy. Even though I do like it and I think there's a lot of value in it, this other thing of starting a family is what matters more to me than this. And so I'm open to finding that. And then fast forward maybe a year or two after that, she did end up finding someone like that. And, you know, we'd kind of had more of a comet type relationship at that point because I was traveling a lot and we weren't always in the same place. And, you know, she called me and we talked on the phone and she told me, you know, basically, yeah, I've found this and I want to do this monogamy thing because I want to start a family like, you know, and all that. So that was kind of officially the end of our relationship in that sexual way, right? In the sexual romantic kind of way. And it was this weird experience on the receiving end, I guess you could say, of that, where I understood it and respected it and also cried for a while after that phone call. You know, it was like I was sad, but also it wasn't like, ah, see, and that's why I'll never date someone like that. It's like, no, I still felt like there was a lot of value in that relationship. And it's still one that I look back on very fondly and think about a lot. And it doesn't have to be just this, oh, I just got dropped and, and she was shitty to me because of this ambiamory thing, right? And so I think there's a little bit of that if we can step back from, I guess, maybe some of our ego or our fear about these things and also just sort of respect that, yeah, people can make that choice. Even if they didn't say they were ambiamorous, they could still make that choice to be with someone else that's not you or to be monogamous or something else. And that that's not because of that thing, that's just because of who they are. And we all just are people who have different values and different paths in our lives. Yeah. So anyway, that's sort of my long, long thing, no, just kind of in defense of that. That reminded me of a situation that I was in. I, I mean, I've I've gone through the whole, oh, someone is non-monogamous and then suddenly decides to be monogamous with someone else and then you get dumped situation a few times and it sucked. But I will say the one time that it, I'm not going to say that it didn't suck, but the one time it sucked less, I think was that when someone was very clear about what was going on and their reasons for it and also it, like accepted, you know, acknowledged the impact it would have on me versus like often the way that it's gone. And I think the way that it goes for a lot of people is there's a lot of bullshit and drama mm. leading up to it. You know, often there's like a bad hinge, <laughs> um, not being a very good job of being a hinge. And so, yeah, I, I think I can relate to that experience of where, yeah, it sucked to be in that position. Like I felt very sad and I mourned the loss of that relationship, but it didn't feel like, oh, this asshole, he was jerking mm. me around the whole time. I should have never have trusted him. I should have known, you know, I didn't quite come away with that same narrative. So I guess the moral of the story yeah. is if you got to break up with someone because of who you are or wanting to be in a particular type of relationship with someone else, you know, be nice about it to the best of your ability and be honest as early as possible rather than trying to do some kind of shady stuff. Something maybe to consider just for those of you out there who may have those fears about people who identify as ambiamorous, is that I'd actually bet there's a chance that someone who identifies as ambiamorous might be more likely 
to communicate and to be aware of that impact that it would have on you, like you were just saying, Dedeker, versus someone who doesn't use that label, but still might, that still could happen, I guess is what I'm saying, that at least if someone is aware enough to identify as ambiamorous, hopefully that also comes with it, an understanding of that impact and that the understanding of that. And so maybe actually you'd be better off if someone like that versus someone who's even new to polyamory, who isn't sure if it's their thing yet. Not to say that it's like, well, one has to be better than the other, but just to maybe say that rather than being a thing to cause fear, maybe it could actually alleviate some of it. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I think something you said a couple episodes ago, Jace, was that there are seasons for everything in our lives and that sometimes those seasons may involve functional monogamy or actual monogamy, you know, a decision-based monogamy or non-monogamy. And I definitely had seasons in my life where non-monogamy was basically the biggest part of my life. There was little else that I was thinking about or doing much of. And now at this particular season in my life, monogamy is more of a bigger part of it. And my seasons may change and my experiences may change. And I think if we're open to all of that, then that can be really great for us and for the relationships that we enter into. Your seasons may change and your reasons may change. Yeah. I'm going to stitch that on a pillow. There yeah. You go. Love that. <laughs> it's lovely. So we hope that you enjoyed this conversation today. There are so many, you know, different facets of who we are in relationships and and who we want to be and how we act in them. And we really appreciate having this conversation with all of you out there. So our question for the week, which is going to be on our Instagram stories, is what do you think of ambiamory? Would you date someone who's ambiamorous? Would you not? I'm interested to hear what people have to say about this because... Reddit is just a small little subset of the internet, and we have many, many inquisitive, interesting, curious listeners, and I can't wait to hear what you have to say about this subject. And the best place to share your thoughts with other listeners is on the episode discussion channel in our Discord server, or you can post in our private Facebook group. You can get access to these groups and join our exclusive community by going to patreon.com slash multiamory. In addition, you can share with us publicly on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Multiamory is created and produced by Jace Lindgren, Dedeker Winston, and me, Emily Matlack. This episode was researched by Dr. Kiana Nurse. Our production assistants are Rachel Shenowork and Carson Collins. Our theme song is Forms I Know I Did by Josh and Anand from the Fractal Cave EP. The full transcript is available on this episode's page on multiamory.com. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.